Hey everyone, welcome to the Fast and Finance Podcast, and I'm your host, Patrick McCrindle. This podcast is designed for everyday, normal people just looking to improve their personal wealth management and expand their knowledge on the markets. Episodes will be short and sweet, focusing on main topics, then transitioning to market outlooks and discussions. We'll cover all the basic concepts so that you have a strong base knowledge before we dive into anything more specific. Wealth management is a concept that's overlooked in many school systems, and we're here to change that. So in this bonds episode, we'll just be diving in deeper and really breaking down what they are and their characteristics and their types and really get a grasp on bonds overall. So in our episode of debt, we had briefly touched on the definition of bonds and their credit worthiness, right? So just to go over it again, and in layman's terms, a bond is simply a loan to a company or even the government in which the investor will receive a fixed rate of return on that loan. So in essence, bonds work by paying the coupon rate, which is that fixed interest payment that we talked about. So for example, if a $10,000 bond had a 10-year maturity and the coupon rate is 5%, that would pay $500 a year for 10 years, which totals to $5,000 in paid interest. So the bond issuer also agrees to repay the investor the original sum loaned on that maturity date. So in this case, it would be 10000 So for purchasing a bond for $10,000, you receive $500 a year for a whole decade on top of receiving that $10,000 back on the maturity date. So bond maturities can range from one day to 100 years, but most range from one to 30 years. Now, there's certain stipulations around bonds, and we'll go over the main ones. All right, so diving into some of the characteristics of bonds, I'll reiterate the risk behind them. So a bond's risk is based mainly on the issuer's creditworthiness, as we've mentioned before. So a well-established corporation with great reputation and high credibility is much more likely to make a timely interest payment and never default on that loan. On the other hand, smaller corporations without that established credibility and reputation, they may have more of a chance to default on the loan. But we mentioned earlier that you can even buy bonds from the government, the ultimate safest bet. No corporation out there is going to have more credibility than the government. So you guys keep hearing me say fixed interest rate, right? Well, remember, that's the coupon payment in this situation. So what happens if general interest rates in America start to increase, but your coupon payment is fixed? Well, that's when your bond starts to lose some value, right? As interest rates in the economy start to climb, so do the coupon rates of newly issued bonds, right? Because they're trying to keep up with rising interest rates. So now there's bonds on the market that are paying more than yours, hence the value of your bond dropping. So this leads to the possibility of selling your bond when interest rates are lower when you purchased it, meaning your coupon payment is better than all the other bonds on the market. Someone may be willing to purchase that from you for more than you originally purchased it for. And the same works vice versa. So if you sell when interest rates are higher, you might take a loss. So this means that you have options with a bond. Sometimes you'll be able to hold it all the way till maturity, collecting the full interest payments for the period and receiving that original face value back on the maturity date, right? Or if your bond becomes worth more than when you purchased it for, you could sell it to someone else. But what happens when the issuer doesn't want to pay your locked-in coupon rate because it's too high compared to other bonds, right? Well, then they can call it back. It's called getting called. And that will halt any further interest payments that you were to receive. Well, how can they do this? 
when you purchase bonds, all of these factors are visible to the investor. Call dates are displayed, and a smart investor may be able to tell if the chances are high for that bond to be called or not, and this generally depends on the interest rate environment. So let's talk about different types of bonds now. There's several different kinds, and we'll briefly go over each one and why one would choose one bond over the other. So there's U.S. Treasury bonds, which are the government bonds that we mentioned earlier, right? And those are backed by the federal government, which makes them one of the safest ways to invest. Due to the high safety of these investments, they typically offer lower interest rates, right? High risk, high reward, or vice versa. These may be a good idea for time frame investments, such as college education funding that you can calculate when you need certain funds by, and it's better than that money just sitting in a cash account, right? And we already went over why corporations issue bonds, and that's mainly to raise funds. So corporate bonds can be high yield, which means they probably have a lower credit rating and higher interest rates due to the quote-unquote risk involved, right? So they can be investment grade, which means they have a high credit rating, but they pay lower interest rates due to the lower risk. And again, when we talk about risk in bonds, we normally are referring to the chance of them defaulting or failing to make those interest payments. There's also municipal bonds, usually referred to as munis. And these are issued by states, cities, counties, and other government entities, normally to fund state or city projects, right? So municipal bonds can have some great tax benefits bondholders may not have to pay the federal tax on the interest, and some muni bonds are even exempt from state and local taxes as well, which can come in handy if you live in a high-income tax state. Alright, so now that you guys have a general understanding of what bonds are and how they work in your portfolio, right, well, some people might ask, well, why include bonds over stocks in my portfolio? And remember when I said not to keep all of your eggs in one basket. This is where bonds can come into your portfolio to reduce volatility and bring some predictable income into your situation. Of course, stocks do have the potential to bring some strong growth and capital gains to your account, but that's not always the case. Even though stocks can potentially earn a lot more interest and returns than bonds, they carry more risk. So the more time you have to make up for the volatile market fluctuations, the more stocks you could hold in your portfolio. Thus, that's the reason why you see people getting older and reducing their overall risk by placing more of their investments in bonds rather than stocks, right? So as you near retirement and you have less time to make up for the rough patches in the market, you may want to look into increasing your bond allocation for that low volatility as well as the predictable income. Well, all right, everyone, that wraps up today's episode of Fast and Finance. Stay tuned for the next episode on ETFs. We appreciate you tuning in, and as always, I hope you come back. I hope everyone has a fantastic week. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member of FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and SGI Wealth Management, LLC, are separate entities from LPL Financial.